Welcome to the VBAC Link podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes one, two, and three. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Welcome, my women of strength. I am so excited. I have really exciting guests on the line right now with me, and her name is Cassandra, and she's from Tallahassee, Florida. And the thing that like really tickles me about Cassandra is that she emailed me like she emailed me asking to share her story with us and we're actually recording this the first week after our launch and it's just so exciting that people like actually want to talk to us <laughs> and share their story um, at this point so we're still a little like me and Megan are a little giggly schoolgirl like uh, right now about all of it still so I am so grateful to her for reaching out to me to share her story with us today. Um, this is episode 11, and the coolest part, I think, about Cassandra's story is we have so many times doctors tell us, oh, your baby's too big. Your baby's too big to birth out vaginally. You have to have a C-section. I actually had a client who had a doctor tell her that no woman can birth a baby that's over eight pounds. Anyways, Cassandra's V-back baby was a pound and a half bigger then her C-section baby, and you'll never guess how big that actually was. But I'm going to actually let Cassandra tell you when she gets to that part of the story. Cassandra, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I guess to, something that I wanted to mention beforehand, because it kind of plays into both births, but I have actually been pregnant three times, but have two sons. And the first time, my husband and I had an early onset miscarriage in August of 2014 oh, and that plays in thank you yeah it, that plays into my first son's birth and I think some just the whole pregnancy and experience because that was not a planned pregnancy and we thought well we're going to be you know we're going to be married for a while like going to wait on kids thought we were preventing and got pregnant and within really a week and a half of finding out we found out we had a miscarriage and so I think that kind of just set a tone for me having a hard time just trusting my body and trusting pregnancy because that was the only thing I had experienced at this point. And yeah. we, after that experience decided, you know, we really actually do want to start trying for children earlier. And um, it just really changed our perspective. And so we were told by that doctor, you know, you have, you know, just give yourself a month and then go ahead and, you know, try. And so we did and we got pregnant with my first in October then of 2014. And, um, I think, though, even just from the beginning, like I said, I was almost just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it took me a long time, I feel like, to really trust that this was real, I was going to actually have a baby, and, you know, everything was going to go okay. And I feel like really until we found out his gender, and once we hit 20 weeks, did it, like, sink in, like, this was going to happen, and I'm really having a baby. And 
So I almost just kind of was a little removed from it because I just was nervous. So we, you know, I was definitely the typical first-time mom and kind of, you know, I did know, I guess, um, some about birth because I am one of actually eight kids, which is a lot. And I'm the oldest, (laughs) so I got to see, I got to actually see my siblings be born and, um, that was really cool, and so I kind of felt like, okay, I know some things about birth at least, yeah. And, but um, you know, not a ton as far as like being the one giving birth. So um, we just, you know, decided like picking a doctor. You know, that was something I again I didn't know a lot of then, like how important it was to pick a provider. And so I just kind of asked around, had a friend that told me about a good place in town, and um, you know that she had had a good experience there. So that's what we went with, and. Um, I just figured, you know, I'm going to have this, you know, birth, but I didn't really know if I wanted a natural birth or not. I think I was very scared of the pain and the idea of going through that. So part of me was like, all right, I'm going to sign up for whatever I can once I get to that point um, and didn't really look into tons of options. Um, so we got closer to when he was due and um, we were actually, my husband was in graduate school, I should have mentioned, mentioned too, during this time. Um, so... He, he was getting ready to graduate towards the end of my pregnancy. And so that kind of just put some pressure on, I feel like, as far as, like, we were thinking, oh, I hope he comes early, you know, because we were getting ready to move from a job that my husband had taken actually down here in Tallahassee. So my first son, his pregnancy and birth was in Akron, Ohio, is where I had him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess um, towards the end of my pregnancy, you know, I'm – feeling pretty good about things, but we took the typical birth class at the hospital, and um, I felt like, it, you know, it was educating me some, but I, I feel like I forgot all of it once I got in the actual moment, and we had looked into possibly having, like, a doula and things like that, but we were just like, well, I don't know, I think we'll be fine, like, you know, we'll be good, like, we've got this, like, I don't want to read too much into it, like, it'll be fine, and I just, I kept thinking, I think I just was, like, too nervous to look into all the different options. I just wanted to like get through the pain and that those types of things. That was just overshadowing my brain and just getting him healthy and in my arms. Again, that fear kind of controlling me of having, you know, had the miscarriage before. So I we got to um I, you know, got to like thirty seven, thirty eight weeks and we started doing the cervical checks and things like that then and um, I was kind of getting discouraged because, you know, reading on like the apps you're reading in the books, you know, like you should start, you know, you know, dilating and different things. And again, I didn't know anything about like stages of labor other than this little bit that I knew in those classes. And so I didn't really know that you could not be dilated and still go into labor, you know, like that same day or whatever, or you might be dilated for a while. So I really let those checks, I think, like to just determine my mood and like, I don't know, just a lot of pressure, if that makes sense. Um, on like how I thought things were going to go. So we got to 40 weeks and at this point like nothing had really happened you know like I don't even think I was one centimeter at that point and I was just so discouraged like what in the world you know of course it's the first baby first grandbaby on all sides so I'm really super excited and you know waiting for this baby to come and I'm feeling just so much pressure. I had a lot of swelling with him towards the end and Mm -hmm. so I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable and just ready for him to come. So that leads me to when I, basically, they, my doctor told me at that point, you know, you can, we'll let you go to 41 weeks, but we're not going to go past that. Um, I've since found out that, like, my mom actually carried babies past, like, post-term, I, I hope I'm using the right term, <laughs> um, post-date, 
And um, I, again, didn't know anything really about that. So we got to 41 weeks, and, again, I'm still not really dilating. I've done all the tricks in the book um, to get labor going, and nothing was happening. And my doctor told me she would actually be out of town the week that I was going to be induced, which was really hard for me because I had thought, like, I picked her practice thinking, you know, this is who's going to deliver me. Like, I had that trust in her, you know, things were going to go great. And then she was going to be out of town, which happens, and, there wasn't anything I could do about it, but um, I saw the, I think I saw a nurse practitioner that day, and she decided we'd induce the next day. So I was induced um, at 41 weeks exactly. Um, we got to the hospital at 4 p.m. with him, and again, being the first time mom beforehand, I just thought, oh, this induction, like, it's going to just go so quick, and I'm going to have a baby, like, four <laughs> yeah. hours. I cleaned my hair, I did my makeup. Um, like, looking back, I just laughed at it because I just, I, I would have had no clue. And the way he described it to me was, you know, just step by step, you know, we're going to do this and then this and this. And I didn't know much about, like, all the interventions and different things and how those could have different effects on labor. Um, mm-hmm. So just trusted them. Again, with that fear, it was like, I'll do whatever it takes and I'm happy to stay healthy and I'm going to trust whatever, you know, whatever the doctors tell me to do, I'll do. So we started the induction. They started me on Cytotec with him, and they said, you know, that'll get you to at least two centimeters. Sometimes they're barely one centimeter, so it was like we were starting from ground zero. Mm-hmm. Got me to two centimeters. Um, they, you know, we did that. My husband and I just kind of hung out. Again, we, you know, they told us, you know, do bring some things to, like, entertain yourself because inductions, they can take up to, like, 24 hours. I remember the nurse practitioner saying that. And so I was like, and she was, but they could take longer, but most of the time not. And so we brought, you know, our laptop, watched a lot of Power Met Your Mother and, like, so many seasons, I feel like. And uh, mm-hmm. so after the side attack, they did the Foley Ball catheter, which I didn't really know much about that. They didn't mention it a ton um, at the doctor's office, but that, for me at least, was extremely painful. Um, I don't know if it's that way for everyone. I feel like it's not that way for everyone. I, like, other people I've talked to, um, but it just – that kind of, I don't know, it just, that sticks out so much in my mind is one of the most painful parts. So, but they did that. It did what it was supposed to. It got me to four centimeters, and my water actually broke at that point. And I think at that time, it had been about 12 hours, so it mm-hmm. was 4 a.m. the next day. And, um, you know, I'm starting to kind of try to walk around, get things moving, and they started the Pitocin. And I think I was about a five, six centimeters at this point um, as the Pitocin was being, like, kicked up and kicked up by some of them coming in. And, pumping up the numbers, and I remember the contractions just getting, like, crazy strong, and even my husband, like, watching the monitor, like, oh, wow, that was that was a big one, and, you know, and, like, working me through them, and at that point, I decided, like, okay, I'm ready for the epidural, and, you know, they had encouraged me, like, that'll help you get some rest, and looks like you're hopefully in active labor, and this will continue, um, and so we got the epidural, and um, that definitely slowed things down, which was something I didn't realize epidurals could do, um, and so it did slow me down, but it was nice to get some rest and kind of just relax and hope that things keep progressing. So this is like, so that was a Thursday when things started. So now we're into Friday, like morning and then afternoon. And things definitely just slowed so much at that point. It was like, it felt like forever, a six to like a seven. And then I stalled for a while around like a seven or an eight. And, um, but I had an amazing nurse. And that nurse, um, her name was Megan, and I'll always remember her name. Um, she was, my, she tried to be there pretty much the whole two days I was in labor. Um, and she, ironically, had, was planning a VBAC. 
And I remember thinking, I, I had never heard her really of you back at that point or knew a ton of the details. She, because it was in the middle of the night, a lot of the time that she was with me, she was able to explain it. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a like courageous woman to be able to do that. Like, I could never do that. <laughs> but what was really neat, too, with her was she was really determined to do everything she could to help me have this baby. And looking back now, I feel like she almost was like a doula and a nurse, in a sense. And anytime she could spend time with me and she got the peanut ball in, she had me move positions and just different things that I feel like a lot of times, you know, maybe a nurse wouldn't do or have as much time to do, she definitely went above and beyond. And so she awesome. did take one break just because her shift ended. But again, I had another really great nurse. And everyone that I had during labor was really great at this point. So I finally, around in the evening, I'm going to say it was like 9 or 10 o'clock, I, um, they checked me, and I was finally like towards like, I think I was like a nine and a half. And they're like, you're so close. She's got a little lip left, and we're going to be able to start pushing. And in between all this, my epidural had started to wear off, and I think they had, like, come in to refill it, like, twice. Um, and I started to tell them, like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I can only feel it on one side. Like, I'm feeling everything on the other side, and my back mm. feels like it's, it's breaking. Like, what is going on with my back? You know, it just felt excruciatingly painful, which I later found out had to do with his positioning. And I, but again, nobody really mentioned that or said anything and so they're just trying to flip me and move me and you know I'm yelling for the um you know the epidural the, the anesthesiologist to come in and to fix this and that I, there's no way I can push if I'm going this much pain and so they got it somewhat fixed um and I know they had at this point the pitocin picked up to as high as it could and I started to get really sick and I continually kept throwing up and couldn't keep anything down and just was kind of starting to lose my mind a little bit. I feel like that second night, it just all started, I was going in and out of sleep, and it was like the drugs of the Pitocin was like fighting the epidural, and it just, I started to just kind of lose my momentum and just told my husband, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And, you know, I'm like, I'm just feeling awful, and I just want the baby here. And so we finally got to 10 centimeters, and I'm like, okay, we can push, and um, Megan comes in, and she works with me on doing practice pushes, and Again, because they had to refill the epidural so many times, I was so numb, I couldn't feel it a lot. Um, and so it just felt like I was doing nothing. Um, but it was still feeling this crazy back labor. That's what was crazy. Is like I wasn't feeling the contraction as much as my stomach, but more in my back. So we started to do practice pushing. And a couple, um, I think it was some like students came in because we had a couple different um like the doctor that was actually going to deliver me wasn't there yet, so some residents were in, and they were helping me push. And so we pushed for probably an hour and then continued to push into the, the second hour, and it was just like nothing. It just felt almost like this is just not happening. And in my head, it was like with each push, I just felt like this isn't – I don't think this is going to work, you know. And I just – I didn't really know how to express that, but I just kept trying, and they had me labor down and just different things. And finally around the third hour, they said – his head was just not fully descending, and they could feel it kind of come down, but then it would pop back up. Every time I'd get done pushing, it'd go back up. And then they started saying something about his head was swelling and that they could feel it getting swollen, and that's when they called the doctor to come in. And um, one of the doctors from the practice that I was seeing came in and was like, yes, his head's swelling, like, we need to have her stop pushing. You know, it's been three hours. I don't know if this is going to happen. And I was just out of my mind, exhausted, and just so, in so much pain at this point, because again, the epidural just kept wearing off, and the way they, they described it to me was that his head was 
the way it was positioned was that the medicine, I guess, couldn't get all the way down to numb things. And they, at this point, go and they called the doctor um, on call because it's so hard for me to remember exactly. It felt like there was a million people in and out. <laughs> and so at the very end, they called, and then they finally just said, you know, I think, I think it's time we probably call a C-section. And, um, and I kind of knew in the back of my mind as I was pushing, that's probably what was going to happen. And I even remember telling my husband, I'm just so tired, like, can they just cut him out? Like, can we, like, I just want to meet him. I can't do this. Because this point had been 36 hours from the beginning of uh, when they started the induction. And, um, you know, it felt defeating, but it also felt almost re- relief in a sense. That's when my poor husband kind of lost it, though. And I think he just, like, that was really hard for him to see, and I think he stayed so strong and was amazing um, through the whole thing, and even when I was telling him his breast milk, you know, when he was accounting for me and all the different things, he was so sweet, and um, so they ended up taking me into the OR and prepping me for the C-section. He, you know, got dressed and was able to come in, and, um, you know, everything, I, I, even though I felt so, like, out of it because of all the different drugs and things, I when I got in the OR, it was almost like I just forced myself to stay awake and alert. And I was like, I am not missing this. Like, I want mm-hmm. a baby, and I want to be yeah. as present as I possibly can be. So they began the C-section, and I just remember, I don't know, just being like, how did I get here? How in the world did we get here? Like, and how long have I been in this hospital? Like, it just felt like from, you know, Thursday night to then now at this point, it's Saturday morning at, like, 3 a.m., I think is when they started the C-section. And I'm just like, how like, how did we get here? You know, this is just crazy. And I don't even think my brain could fully process it at that point yet. And so they started it, and it felt like he was out pretty quickly. Um, it's like those, first, like those moments, you know, right before he came out, it felt like an eternity. And I was just like, you know, just praying and just hoping to hear him cry. Like, I just want to hear him cry. I just kept repeating that to my husband. I just want to hear him cry. Cause of course, hearing that his head was swelling and, um, his heart never decelled. His heart did stay, like, consistent. But um, just hearing those things, I think, just really, again, freaked me out and made me, like, panic to want to get him out and have him be safe. Um, and so he was out, and he was born. I remember they held him up, and that moment was just incredible. Even though, like, the pain was crazy and it wasn't at all how I envisioned it, it was, like, in that moment, and I try not to get emotional. <laughs> it was, like, in that moment, like, the world stopped, you know, and... He was there, and he was healthy, and I think because he was our, like, rainbow baby, it was just incredible, like, to see, oh, my gosh, it's a real, it's a real baby, and, like, you know, all this worrying and throughout the pregnancy and self-doubt in my own body, like, it just proved me wrong and showed me that, like, here he is, and, like, my, my body created him, and with my husband, of course, you know, and, like, we, we did this, and so I just didn't even care, like, in that moment, how it all went down, I was just thankful he was here, and, so they got him out, and I remember at that point, they're like, wow, he's, you know, he's a big guy, you know, 8'7", and I'm thinking, that's kind of big. And I, I guess I didn't mention, too, that I was 10 to 15 when I was born. So I oh was my a gosh. baby. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they just were in my family. Cow. Yeah, <laughs> like, big babies. Are, and so I knew there was a chance I would have big babies. And so for me, I'm like, 8'7", like, okay, that's. That's, that's that's big, but, I mean, it's okay. Like, you know, I, I did it. And, and then, of course, you know, too, it was like, okay, well, then maybe that's why he got stuck and whatever, you know. And I was just so so thankful to have him here. My husband was able to bring him up to me. And thankfully we had an amazing anesthesiologist who insisted on taking pictures. And I remember thinking, why are you taking photos? I literally look so haggard. And I'm so thankful looking back at those because that was, you know, all we had. And 
Um, mm-hmm. Like those are pictures I'll cherish, even if I looked crazy and so tired, and my <laughs> eyes like, you know, one was open, one was closed, and uh, but it was just so good to have that. And I wasn't able to do, you know, skin to skin and anything like that, which was kind of hard. But um, again, I because I was so like just didn't think I'd ever have a C-section, you know, in my birth plan that I typed out, it was like C-section if needed. And that's about all I had. And um, I now <laughs> encourage moms to, like, maybe look into that a little bit more just so, you know, when you get there you have options um, yes. just in case, even though it's nothing. No mom wants to think about that, especially as a first-time mom, but I wish I had put a little bit more thought into it just so I could maybe have had a few more things I would have on the request. Um, but, and what was really neat, my nurse, so Megan, the nurse that was just incredible, got to come in with me, and she actually, right before we went in, I remember telling her I was so nervous and scared, and she, like, pulled up her shirt and showed me her C-section scar, and right under her big pregnant belly, and she's like, this is what it's going to look like, this is what's going to happen, and you're going to be okay, like, and you can try, and I, I her, she was the first person that said, and you don't have to do a C-section again, you could try for a back. like, I'm in that moment thinking, wow, that's, I can't even think that far, but, you know, it was just, it was encouraging, and, so we, you know, that was his birth, and I think, um, you know, we ended up getting, I got, I, the hospital I had him at was really great, and keeping us together, and that's something I've now found doesn't always happen, and sometimes the moms and babies get separated, but he was mm-hmm. able to stay there with me the whole time, and then they actually put me on the, you know, little rolling bed, and after I was sewn up, and I was able to just hold him immediately and hold him the whole way to recovery, which was really great, and then we got to, my, again, Megan was being, awesome. It was like, let's get this gown off of you. Let's get nursing. Let's get him on. And um, that was great. And recovery, you know, that point, it, that's when I think my husband and I just really started the process. Like, wow, we just, that really just happened. And we have a baby now and here he is. And so, you know, it, that, it was just, it was just a whirlwind. And it felt like, it felt so long on one hand, but a whirlwind on the other. And I feel like I remember even sitting in recovery thinking, I want to do this differently. Like that was just not what I planned. But I think him being there was just overshadowing it, but I didn't really feel a lot of those emotions until later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as, as far as like my recovery and things like that did affect in my choice to have a C-section and things were fine at first. Like, Obviously, I was in a lot more pain than I expected, and having gone through 36 hours of labor, pushing, and then the C-section, it just, my body had just been through a lot, and it, it, I didn't realize how hard it would be just to do normal life things, and Mm -hmm. that first time you get out of bed, and the first time you go to the bathroom, you feel like your stomach's going to fall out, and just all those different things, it was just really crazy, and um, I did end up, though, a week later having my incision reopen, um, because a pocket of fluid had gotten, like, stuck in there. And um, that was pretty traumatic. I feel like that was probably the recovery was almost more traumatic than the actual season. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, like, I had, you know, started to get the shakes and a fever and um, with, you know, my one week old, and I remember going to take a shower to, like, see if it get better. And that's when I looked down, and it was draining and just was draining down my legs. And, of course, you know, this new mom, and you've got this fresh wound, and I see blood coming down my legs, and I freak out and have my husband come in and, um, we were able to go to the ER and they, you know, were just like, it's okay. You know, just one of the layers of the surgeon had built up this little pocket of fluid and caused an infection and that had basically ruptured, but they had to drain it right there, um, in the ER and, you know, having somebody push on your fresh incision a week later oh was really difficult for me. And so I think that, that part was probably what made it just, I don't know, like 
really difficult and just made me feel like, okay, my body didn't do what it's supposed to do, and then now it's not healing like it's supposed to. And so I'd say probably two weeks postpartum was when it, the whole experience actually hit me. And I can remember sitting in the specific chair in the apartment we were at right before we moved and just bawling and telling my husband, like, what did I do wrong? Like, how did this fail? Like, and I just, I felt this immense amount of guilt, like I did something wrong. Like I somehow yeah. didn't try hard enough or, you know, whatever. And just that my body had, I, I didn't do it. Like it got, I'm like, it got to 10 centimeters. I pushed and then what, what happened? And I ended up went, getting to see my doctor, the one I had actually seen my whole pregnancy, Dr. Ellis. I met with her right before we moved. Um, because we actually moved two weeks postpartum as well, which oh my insane, gosh. But, yeah, it was it was yeah. I would not recommend it <laughs> to people with two weeks old baby, but it was what we had. You know, we had to do. We knew he had a job lined up here and at Florida State and Tallahassee, and so I did meet with my doctor, and she was able to tell me he was um, he was OP, so he was coming out sunny side up, mm-hmm. face up, and that that was what they most likely felt like caused um, him to get stuck, and that. He had turned, and, you know, she said you know, there's really no good way to know how long he had been turned that way, but that's probably what was doing it. And he was also kind of tilted, and that it took many, mm-hmm. multiple times, I guess, of them going in to kind of maneuver him to get him out um, during the C-section, that he was pretty lodged, um, and that they, they believed there was no way he was coming out vaginally. And so I asked her, well, do you think that, you know, will that happen with subsequent pregnancies and future babies, because we knew we wanted to have more kids, and... She was like, well, yeah, probably most likely. She's like, I, I think the biggest thing that is is you probably have a you know, pretty small pelvis, and you're not, I mean, I'm like five, three and a half. I like to say I'm five, four, but I'm, I'm a little shorter than that. And <laughs> not a very, like, you know, large, stature woman. And so I, you know, of course, that kind of fit what she was saying. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. And, you know, she's like, most likely what happened is he might have been in the right position, but when labor started, he could have just flipped and, you know, and that most likely will happen to all of your babies because your pelvis is just too small. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not exactly what I wanted to hear, but okay, you know, so we took it, we moved, and um, I decided at that point, you know, I'm going to look into other options because I would really like to just see if there's, you know, research more of what this VBAC, you know, was that this nurse was talking to me about and that I had heard of and if there's any way I could do that. So um, I guess if we fast forward then, to when we moved to Tallahassee, and um, I started researching then and knew when I got pregnant around, or the second time, I'd like to look more into that, and I actually found out there was a local ICANN chapter here in Tallahassee, which I never heard of ICANN, but it's amazing, and um, started going to those meetings before I even got pregnant, and started talking to different moms and kind of hearing different stories and looking into what providers would be the best when I did get pregnant. Um, and so we decided to get pregnant when my son was about a year and a half old. So in, I found out I was pregnant in March of 2017. And um, I knew that I wanted to look into it, but I think, I don't know, again, fear set in and that self-doubt started to set in. I was like, well, do I really want to, you know, and I, I hear those words of my doctor in Ohio talking in the back of my head, well, it's probably going to happen again, you know, it doesn't really matter, your pelvis is too small. And the practice I had been going to just for my, like, um, OB, or not my OB care, but my, my gynecology care, um, they were also OBs, and so I went ahead and just made an appointment there when I found out I was pregnant. Um, but I had a feeling they weren't VBAC friendly, but I was like, oh, I'll just go and just see. And so I did, and I had my nine-week appointment, mentioned it to that doctor, 
And she too, you know, once she heard my birth story and heard, wow, you were in labor for that long, like, you know, there, yeah, no way. Yep, your pelvis is, it's just proven that it's probably too small, you know, and that's going to happen. And I was like, but, you know, I was like, I, I mentioned my mom having eight kids, including a set of twins vaginally. And I was like, is, you know, how, what happened to mine? Like, how did it get so small? Like, how did that happen if she was able to push those out? And she's like, well, I don't, I can't, I don't have any good explanation for you, but it'll be fine. And so I asked her, well, could I have multiple babies? You know, because we knew we probably wanted, at this point, we were thinking maybe three or four kids. And, you know, we weren't sure, you know, we knew we at least wanted two and possibly more. And so I knew that the risk did go up because of ICANN with each cesarean. And she was like, oh, no, you know, we'll check your, you know, each C-section we do, we'll check your scar. And as long as it looks good, you know, you're fine. Like, you can have as many, there's no limit on C-sections. And that's all she really would tell me. And I was like, well, what about, you know, I did know about placenta accretia at that point. And she was like, I hope I'm saying that right. It's the placenta accretia. <laughs> I always pronounce it wrong. Um, but, you know, she was like, no, that shouldn't be an issue. So I started to feel kind of confident. And the way she described a repeat cesarean, I was like, oh, I guess I could think about that. But there was just this voice in the back of my head that was like, no, like, don't let this fear stop you. You know, that same fear that I think, prevented me from looking into a lot of options with my first pregnancy. So um, I ended up going to see another um, doctor who was VBAC friendly, and he, um, I told him my same story, Dr. Okoroji, and he was like, yeah, we can, we can definitely do it. He's like, you know, I can't guarantee you, you know, another baby could be OP, you know that. He's like, but also, you know, OP babies can come out vaginally as well. Um, he's like, it could have been other things that led to your son getting stuck or just the induction itself, you know, she, he's like, if you could go into labor naturally, that might make a big difference. And so he those things encouraged me, but I just, I couldn't make the jump. And so I continued to go see the place that I knew would not, they do not allow VBACs. And actually, they're the only places in town that do, that still just don't do VBACs. And so um, at 20 weeks, I finally decided, you know, I think I, I, I should look more into it. So I started doing my own research and um, read this article that I think the um, ICANN, like the, inter like the actual international like Facebook page, their page shared, um, I think it was uh, the month talking of like awareness for, you know, the placenta accretion. And so I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I read it and it just was the thing that just kind of clicked in my head. And I was like, no, I need to try. Like I need to give my body this shot. Like I need to see because I don't think I'll ever be at peace if I don't at least try. Because there's things I didn't do the first time. I could... At this point, I knew about chiropractic care. I knew about hiring a doula. I knew about, you know, positioning and spinning babies and different things and how a lot of things could have contributed in my son's positioning. So that was what really encouraged me to go ahead and just give this VBAC a try. And if it didn't work, that's okay. At least I knew that, like, I had given my body that but that chance and didn't just believe it was too small. <laughs> um, and so that's what I did. And I ended up switching providers at 20 weeks which was really difficult because I didn't really have anything against the provider I was at. She was very nice and helpful, but I just knew I couldn't have a, there was no chance of having a feedback there. Um, she was a little discouraging um, at different points, so I knew I was nervous to tell her because I was scared she was going to talk me out of it. Um, and so I didn't even tell them. I just, like, I just switched. <laughs> I just, like, I had to just take the leap, and that night I ended up, contacting my doula, I found, um, I had found a page, like, through, there's a really awesome co-op here in Tallahassee, and so they've got a bunch of different doulas through that, and so I reached out to a few of them and set up some meetings that night, decided I was doing it, and just went for it, and that's kind of how I am as a person, like, once I get my mind to it, I just, 
I go and I can't even look back. Um, and so I messaged her, and that was kind of the, the choice. And I started seeing a chiropractor that next week, which I'd never done before in my life. And I completely credit that to being probably one of the biggest things that helped me have a feedback. And I saw him as many times as he, you know, I, there was a lot of work to do in the very beginning with aligning my pelvis and different things. And so we did that, and I got my, you know, hired my doula Heather, and we just started going for it. And um, one of the biggest things that encouraged me and why I really wanted to share this um, on this podcast was listening to other podcasts. And anytime I started to feel self-doubt or like I couldn't do this, I would put on one of those podcasts um, about birth and that was really helpful or listened, I listened to an audiobook, Mindful Birthing, um, that really helped me a lot as well. So once we got to, you know, my son's birth, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I'm, I have so many details <laughs> that lead up to it, but if I don't like get some of those out, it doesn't make sense. So um, I knew, so one of the biggest things too going into this is I knew I most likely was going to go post, you know, past my due date. I, that was something I learned from my first pregnancy that due dates, are great, but they're just guesses, and there's no good way to like 100% know when your body's going to go into labor. And I knew that my chances were going to be really a lot better to have me back if I could go into labor naturally. So that was really hard for me, I think, not to worry constantly. And even though I knew I could do a gentle, you know, more gentle induction, um, it was really my hope to not have that. That experience just was really, um, well, I would say somewhat traumatizing in different ways and all those interventions and kind of the cascade of thing after thing after thing just was something I really wanted to try to avoid. And so we got to a 39 weeks and, you know, nothing, you know, I, I had kept, I just kept saying, no, no, just a surgical check, you know, I'm good. I just want to let my body do its thing and not feel any tension. So my doctor, um, he let me go. I think it was so 40 weeks, or I mean, should say you let me go. We decided we'd start checking at 40 weeks. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And um, he uh, checked me at that point, and I think I was like two centimeters at this point, and, but not really a face, or maybe it was one centimeter and a face, like 60% face. And he was like, all right, you know, like, let's, let's give you, you know, another week. We're not going to worry. You know, I know you went to 41 weeks. And the last time, like, but of course, in my head, it's, I started to kind of get that nervousness of just, oh, is this really going to happen? Like, did I make the right choice? Like, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to regret this decision. And so we got to, so November 19th, so it was right around Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving came and went, and he was like, we're going to meet this next, you know, this was a Friday, and we'll decide what we want to do from there. If we want, you know, you, we could do the induction, or, you know, if you want to, you know, schedule a C-section if you feel like this isn't the right choice. I'm, I'm game to do whatever. And um, so that's what we did. Um, we, I, he checked me, and again, at this point, I was, I think, 80% of face, but still only at a two, and he was a negative three station at this, on this visit. And I was super discouraged by that. And he was like, yeah, I mean, he's kind of up there floating. And I was just like, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear, you know. Like, and I remember falling in his office, like, this, you know, and he, you know, he's consoling me and telling me, like, it's, it's okay, you know, like, you still have time, and I will, if you want to go, like, the longest he would, he felt comfortable was 42 weeks, just because of, you know, the placenta decreasing, you know, being able to work properly, and, yeah. and I was fine with that, too. I, I didn't really want to go past that, either, and um, so I went home that night thinking, like, okay, well, I don't know what to do, and, well, actually, I should mention, too, I, I'm forgetting, I ended up telling him, like, if, 
he isn't here after you know 41 weeks can we just go ahead and schedule a c-section which i feel like probably shocks a lot of people <laughs> but for me i just knew i did not want to be induced again i could not go through another 36 hours like that to then only end up in a c-section and just feel like i had no control because that's kind of how my first son's birth felt like nothing about it did i really know what was going on fully or i just was kind of there i was I, the classes and the things that you know, I went to almost prepared me to be a good patient and not so much a good person in labor. I didn't really know. And so I think this time I had prepared so much for actual labor that I just, I felt like if it couldn't happen naturally, I was just nervous my body was going to do the same thing. And if I could have a gentle C-section, that would be better. Yeah. So we actually scheduled, we scheduled a C-section and it was going to be for, I think, Tuesday, which I would have been like 41 weeks and two days by then and I you know was like all right that's fine I'm just surrendering to this I I can't force my body and I it was really it was really hard but it was felt like the right decision so we came home I told you know I'm calling all of our family different people telling them what's going to happen and scheduling child care for my son and we were just going to turn it into the weekend and hope that you know my body would go into labor and that night I was feeling off, but again, because my body never experienced <laughs> regular labor, I had no idea. It's like on. the I way never... every woman's labor said, I was feeling off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was feeling off. And of course, to console myself from this appointment, I was like, I'm just eating whatever I want. And so I stopped and got like a cheeseburger and a Starbucks. So I'm like, this is my last stop. You know, I didn't know it was going to be my last Starbucks drink before I had him. And I sitting there in the parking lot calling my friends, you know giving my woes and you know I'm starting to feel like man I'm so crampy and much just because he checked me like I bet he just stirred something up and it's just because he checked me and whatever and I'm just ignoring these like pretty intense cramps and so I go home and yeah again like I said I'm feeling off and I decided just to go to bed early and I told my husband like you're gonna have to put you know our two-year-old down and I'm just gonna go to sleep so I fell asleep around like 9 30 or 10 and woke up at 2 thinking man that like, food I ate did not sit well. I've got to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. It'll be fine. Must just have a sick stomach. Went to the bathroom, and that helped a little, but it, this, like, these cramps weren't going. And I was just like, this is so weird. Like, no, there's no way. Like, I just was in such denial, I think, that my body would actually go. <laughs> so I go lay back in bed, and I'm like, okay, everyone says to sleep. If it is real, so just go to sleep. And then about 45 minutes later at 2:45, it like it woke me up and I was like I can't sleep through this like and of course then you know you get the like jitters and you're excited and you're like well could it be no it, it can't it just it just can't so I get up and I go to like we had a recliner in our room already set up so when the baby got here and so I'm sitting there rocking and I'm like I don't want to wake my husband up because that would be you know in cases there's nothing so I just sat there by myself and I started tying him and I'm like you know, I'm I'm sitting here tiny and I'm like, wait, these are like almost, you know, these are consistent. These are like four or five minutes apart. And they weren't super long yet at this point. But so he actually woke up because something fell off our front door. And he comes in and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I might be in labor. And he's like, what do you mean you might be in labor? And I'm like, I show him my little my little tracking and he's like well that looks consistent and he's like well, let's get the ball and so we got our birthing ball and I'm bouncing around and I'm like yeah these these are not going away and these are becoming more more strong I'm like we should probably text Heather and because this just never happened and we waited and waited for it to happen with my first son it was just it felt too good to be true and so we ended up continuing to time them we texted my doula you know she told us you know what what to look for like how long how far apart and 
she was like, go take a shower, and if you take a shower and they get stronger and they don't die down, it's probably real. And that's what happened. The shower definitely made, like, moving, walking made them so much more intense. And it hit a point where I was like, okay, like, it's getting hard to walk around, you know, the apartment, and it's getting hard to, like, move, and maybe we should go to the hospital. At this point, I think it's, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. We um, go to get my son up, and, of course, this would be the night he vomits in his bed, and he woke up totally <laughs> covered in throw-up. And oh my gosh. Was like, this is, like, the sickest he's ever been. So my husband's trying to give him a bath, and because a friend was meeting us to um, – to pick him up at the hospital so that way he could go in and be checked in. And so we get him all settled. I get to the car. I'm moaning in the car. And I'm just like, wow, this is really happening. Like, I'm really in labor, but I don't know how far I am. I'm just trying to keep myself cool, like keep it cool. And what was amazing was feeling real contractions versus, not that the Pitocin ones aren't real, but I guess when your body does it on its own, is I got breaks. And I was like, wow, this mm-hmm. is so nice. Like, I'm having contraction, but then all of a sudden I could just, snap out of it and I'm talking to my husband and I think he even thought it was weird because with my first it was just on top of each other and just no breaks and so we got to the hospital and we got my son to my friend and she took him and um, I started vomiting as soon as we got there and you know I'm calling my doula and she's on her way in she was about I think she's about 45 minutes away so she didn't do this drive in and meet us there and she's like you know just get checked in you know, the pain's probably just setting in. Your stomach might be sick, you know, because she did have me eat something, which was really helpful because um, she's like, you don't know how long it'll be till you get to eat again, so you want to have strength and stuff since this all happened in the middle of the night. So I think I ate, like, a protein bar or something like that before we left, and, but it was actually making my stomach sick. Um, so we got checked, and I was almost four centimeters once we got there, and my contractions were about, I think, two or three minutes apart and lasting, you know, at least a full minute, and just feeling so much pressure. And it was just like this crazy amount of pressure every time they came. Um, and the only way I could get comfortable in triage was like to sit this certain way on the bed to almost counter that pressure. And so at this point, they were like, well, you know, we're going to call your doctor, but it looks like he's not on call. And it was like, they're like, in your chart says you've had a C-section. So what are you doing here in labor? And I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm trying for a V-back. And they were like, oh, well, no, the guy that the, the doctor that's covering tonight, like he doesn't do VBAC, so you're going to need to have a C-section. And I was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, that's not happening. I am in labor, and I, my doctor, I just saw him today. Literally, I saw him at 3 p.m. today, like barely 12 hours ago. Like we've got it. Like I've got a cell phone number, and he had given his cell phone number, especially to his VBAC clients. And I was like, I know he will, he'll come, you know, like. And so they actually, the guy that was covering for him, the doctor that was covering for him, called him, and he came right in, and it was all fine. That nurse was, I think she was just a little confused at that point. But it was one of those moments where I was like, no, 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 like you don't know how long I've been waiting for this to happen. Um, so they got me to a room and checked me again, and I was five centimeters at this point when we got checked in. And things were, you know, just progressing. And it was just, it was just incredible to feel my body doing what it was supposed to do with nothing. It just like, I, I don't even think I was fully aware in a, in a sense. It was like I knew it was happening, but I, it was almost felt too good to be true. And so at that point, my doctor decided um, to like suggest breaking my water. And I think for, you know, I was nervous about it, but then I, I just was kind of, you know, I don't want to stop this progress, and I was like five, five and a half, so he broke my water, and that's when things definitely intensified, and um, it went, it, I feel like the contractions obviously got much stronger, and it just felt like he dropped so much, and 
was crazy was so I was at negative three, you know, at three PM. But by the time we'd gotten to triage, I think I was at like a one or a zero station. So he had just dropped so much, which made so much sense as to where that pressure was coming from. And um, so I got to that point, and I remember my doula, she got there a little bit before, like right after we got checked into the room, and, you know, she was like, if you, if you get to a five, like, you're good. Like, we're in active labor. This is awesome. You know, she's really encouraging about that. And I just was like, all right, here we go. And we talked about me doing pain medicine, and I wasn't, I wasn't against an epidural, but I wasn't, like, 100% I'm going to do it. We just kind of were like, let's see how I feel in the moment. Um, and so we continued to labor, and um, I tried to, you know, to get up and move, and the pressure was just too intense at that point. Like, during the contractions, it literally just felt like he was going to fall out. So I had this just little position I would do where I'd sit on the edge of the bed, and that counter pressure, and then my doula and my husband kind of doing some counter pressure, that really helped, and just what seemed to be kind of like that golden spot, and I almost didn't want to move. Like, when I would find that comfortable spot to ride out the contractions, that's where I stayed. Um, so I remember them coming back in and checking, and my doctor stayed at the hospital this whole time, um, probably around, like, I'd say this is probably, I'm sorry I'm terrible with the times, I'm, like, trying to remember the times with where I was dilated, um, but I think that this was probably around, um, like, I think, like, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, like, I was close to, like, a 7 or an 8, 7 meters, and that was when I was, like, okay, this is getting really, really big, and I was going through transition at that point, and, I told my doula we had a code word for what I wanted, um, an yes. epidural, and I was, like, I was like, I think we made a code word Canera, because that's where we first met, and I'm like, okay, oh. Canera, like, <laughs> I'm, ready for, I'm ready for that epidural, and she was like, are you sure, you know, and I was like, this is totally your call, and I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't know if I could, this is so intense, I don't know if I could get through the pushing part without something, and again, that fear just creeped in, and I, you know, just, it was like, I got to get, a, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I, I didn't realize this was really going to happen. I remember telling her that, like, I didn't think I was really going to get to have this baby. I just made peace with possibly scheduling the C-section, like, just a few hours ago, you know, like, what in the world? And she was like, okay, like, that's fine. And I was like, you're not going to be disappointed in me, are you? And I was like, no, this is your birth. Like, you do you. Like, it is fine. And I support everything. And they just, of course, you know, all these crazy thoughts are going through my head. And so we, they call for the epidural, but the anesthesiologist was in a C-section. And so they're like, it's probably going to be a while, and we don't, or it might be a little bit. You don't know, like, how quickly she'll be in here. And I'm just like, oh, great. Like, you know, so I'm working through the contractions, but I'm like, all right, like, I've got to write this out. And I looked at my doula and my husband, I was like, I can't do this. And they're like, you are doing it. Like, you are doing it right now. And, like, you're in it, and you're going to do this. Like, and... I remember when my doula said that, that was just a pivotal moment of like, okay, I'm here, and like, I got to embrace this. So um, eventually the anesthesiologist did come in, she got the epidural and got it placed, and by the time she, they started to lay me back, I started to feel the urge to push, and I'm like feeling this immense amount of pressure, and my doula could tell by the sounds I'm making, like, she's like, I think she's pushing, like, we might want to check her, and so... They checked me, and I think I was at this point like a nine or nine and a half. And, again, we were just waiting, kind of like it was with my first for that little bit of lip. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. The epidural hasn't even, like, hit. Like, I don't I, – I need this to hit me first. And she was just like, well, like, we got we got to get going. You know, I'm like, I'm not feeling anything. Like, I can still feel it all. And, and she's like, okay, well, you know, like, they're, like, trying to get me to lay back, lay back so that way the, you know, medicine will flow through my legs. And I'm like, but I can't lay back. Like, I need to push. Like, I'm feeling this pressure. And, so they're telling me to wait. I'm telling them I want the medicine to work, and it was just like, here we go. And 
So they, at this point, my doctor comes back in, and they're like, we're getting right down to baby. And I use, you know, all the little silver tools, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember this from my first. And so I started pushing, and um, we, I, cause I, I think at this point, they just had me kind of do some practice ones that didn't want me to obviously push too hard, so my cervix didn't swell, and they were trying to push that lip back. And once they figured out, you know, okay, you're at a 10 centimeters, you know, 10 centimeters, like, let's get going on this. And um, that's when it got real, and I start pushing, and just could not believe, but I, I kept telling my people, I, I feel everything, you know, and she was just like, she ended up saying it to the anesthesiologist, you know, she can feel everything, and they're like, well, it's just kind of too late. So I just accepted that it was too late, and if it didn't work, oh, well, like, if it works later, I guess that's fine. So I didn't even care in that moment, and the anesthesiologist ended up staying in the room, but I guess, I don't know if that's protocol at every hospital or every VBAC, but I think that they said that that was because and just in case anything went wrong and I needed to go to the OR quickly, um, she did stay in there. So it felt like quite a few people and the charge nurse was in there and she was holding my leg. And it just, it was like this little cheerleading group of people. And Aww. my doctor came in and he even said, he was like, when they, they told him I was in the town, he's like, I told you, you know, like, I knew it. Like, and he had been really encouraging um, leading up to this and believing in me. And so we you know, pushed, and probably for about an hour I pushed, and at the very end, he wasn't fully descending, um, and so they did have to use the vacuum, um, because he, I, I'm pushing with, like, all my might, it felt like every bone was breaking <laughs> during those pushes, and I'm like, I'm doing all I can, you know, and um, they used that at the very end, and then, again, also towards the very end, his cord was also wrapped around his neck twice, so that was also part of the reason they said they mm-hmm. used the vacuum to get him out quickly, and so right at the very end, they used it, and it was like, I think, one or two more pushes, and then he was out. And it just happened so fast. Like, it felt so fast to me. Um, and the only thing that was really hard, because it that very, like, end of him, the way they said he descended and the way he, like, dropped through, it kind of shocked him, and they called it, like, he was modeled, I guess. Oh, yeah. the way they, they said it, and so he was just kind of stunned almost. So they weren't able to put him, like, right on me immediately. I think they kind of held him up and kind of held him onto me, but then had to put him over onto, you know, the little the little bed. And they had a neonatologist come in. And by the time the neonatologist came in, he did pink up. But that moment was really intense. And, and even my husband talks about, like, the room just changed, especially when they realized where his cord was placed. Um, I thankfully like wasn't fully aware of that, and so I I didn't even really get a whole lot of time to freak out. I was just so focused on like let's get him out, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to send my do du- you know I told my doula like can you go see him? Like is he okay? And that five minutes definitely felt like an eternity. But it as soon as he, I heard his cry, of course again it was one of those moments where it was just like oh my gosh! And I just remember being in shock, and I just was like did I just push him out? of my vagina. Like, I cannot believe I did that. I even said that to my, to my doula. I looked at her and I was like, I said, the first thing my husband said I said was, I was like, can I get a feedback shirt now or, or something? Like, yes, me prizes. Like, yes, I was like, can I, like, what is my thought? You know, like, this was insane. And I was just so thankful he was healthy and he was here. And, but I knew he was big. I thought, well, that's one other thing they said again. When he came out, even my doctor was like, whoa, like, that is a you know, it was a big baby, and so once he started crying, and every, again, the room just, again, changed, and everyone's so excited, and they put him on me immediately at that point, and I even remember thinking, man, he does look huge, and 
Um, but he's he's so perfect and he's so precious and you know of course we're looking to see if he looks like my other son and I just can't believe I'm holding him and he's got all this stuff on him you know because when by the time I held my first son he was all cleaned up and mm-hmm. you know he's got the hat on and he's wrapped up and so just to like hold him and just feel so close to him and and it just it was like euphoric I don't really know how else to describe it it was just crazy cool and um he was crying, of course, and I'm trying to console him and uh, just just telling him, like, we did it, you know. And I just, it felt so, like, triumphant, and it just felt like we did this together. And I think that's one thing that was really um, powerful with his birth and something that I did a lot more when I was pregnant with him was kind of just talking to him, which felt kind of crazy, but just being like, all right, we're going to do this. Like, let's work through this together. Like, you know, I love you. Like, just, I don't know, like, having that bond, and it just felt like, I don't know, that he worked with me as well. And um, it was just really a sweet moment. And he was able to latch and, you know, nurse right then and there, um, which was, again, just crazy to not have to wait. And it just all felt like this dream. And um, I did have some tearing. I was, I did have a third-degree tear, which that was definitely hard and wasn't something I was planning on, but I would a 1,000% do it again um, and knew it was a good possibility, especially with having the vacuum and, with him being so much bigger, um, and I didn't even know how much he weighed for a good hour, because at this hospital, they just give you that, like, golden hour with just, you know, him on your chest, and yeah. and they get you together, and so I didn't know how much he weighed till an hour later they came in, and they took him for a second, so I could go to the bathroom, and he could get me up and moving, and they weighed him, and they were like, nine pounds, 14 ounces, and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me, like, there is no way, like, and yeah, he's huge, and I was like, I was like, he, and what was so funny is my doctor was like, I told, you know, and he even had said, your belly looks like he's going to be bigger than eight pounds, seven ounces, you know, and I was like, oh, you can't tell from my stomach, and he definitely was, and so he was one pound, seven ounces bigger than my C-section baby, and it just, but it also was just like kind of one of those like awesome moments of like, my body could do it, and it did do it, and it pushed out this baby bigger, and he, you know, he again had a like you were saying, with your child, like a head that was in like the 90th percentile, like everything about him was just big. And yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so squishy and so sweet, and he's still squishy and sweet. And it just was an incredible moment. And it was, it just felt like, I don't know, all these things that I, you know, you prepare so much. And I feel like doing, trying, planning for your first feedback especially feels almost like planning for a race. You know, there's all these components and mm-hmm. just hoping that these will all come together and all of a sudden in that moment, it was like all those chiropractic visits. And, oh, I, I forgot to mention, too, I even went to the acupuncture. I got acupuncture, and I think that helped, too. Like, I was willing to try all the things, and I was so grateful that I did. And having the support of, you know, my ICANN chapter here and these women who, like, poured, you know, into me and then obviously my husband and my doula, like, it just all culminated into that moment when I got to see after believing for almost two years that my body was broken or that it couldn't do it, that it could, and it could do better than I even imagined. It it did more than I could have asked for it to do. And to go from having a 36-hour labor to then from start to finish a little under nine hours was just mind-blowing too. It just felt like like, it's still almost even six months later because he's six months old now. feels like it was a dream. I just, I totally was expecting it was going to take at least 24, 30 hours. And so just that it happened so fast, it just, 
was crazy to me, but I think what made such a big difference was my body actually getting a chance to go into labor naturally, trusting that it's okay that it goes post-date, and maybe that's just something my body does, and that, you know, my baby was going to be okay, my body knew what it was doing, and that was something I was really thankful to get to see and witness, so that's the, and I think, something I didn't mention that I think was really awesome. Uh, a benefit of having the VBAC was I wasn't actually able to breastfeed my first son past nine weeks. And that was something that I think really played into the guilt of his birth and must be from the C-section. And it was just really hard. And again, I kind of felt like maybe my body just wasn't able to do that. And I've now since been able to nurse my second son. We're still nursing. And that just took off on such a different foot. Um, I think because of his birth and just seeing my body being able to do what it did, I just believed a lot more and, I don't know, just had a different experience with nursing this time as well. And so I don't know if that's something other moms have felt um, with different births, being able to play into that. But I feel like when I started to doubt myself with breastfeeding, I reminded myself what it did with through my VBAC, and that was really encouraging to have in those hard moments with nursing. <laughs> Yeah, that is incredible. Yes, definitely there are benefits to having a vaginal birth and successful breastfeeding. There's definitely correlation there. Um, what a great story. I, I love how you can remember all those details, and it does speak to such a big difference in, you know, your care provider and your support team, and I'm definitely glad you're supported the second time around. I wanted to... Um, you sound a little bit on something you said. Um, you mentioned ICANN. Um, some people aren't aware um, that ICANN stands for the International Cesarean Awareness Network. And every single state has an ICANN chapter. So if you are a woman that had a C-section or a first, you're a first-time mom or you're trying for a VBAC, um, look up your your state's ICANN chapter because it is a great resource for you um, as you prepare for birth and education in cesarean prevention and cesarean awareness and um, and even VBAC. So that's a great resource and I'm glad that you were able to utilize that. Um, I wanted to yes. touch a little bit on big babies. Like what is a big baby and what is the real risks for it and what does evidence say as far as big babies go and I'm going to um, drop a link in the summary of this episode so if you want to look up more research or the, or the resource where I'm pulling my information from go ahead and find this uh, section notes and click on that link but there was a survey of in 2010 the vital statistics records and um, true definition of a big baby is a baby that's 10 pounds or more. It's called macrosomia. I think I'm saying that right. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I'm not. Anyways, but basically it means um, anything bigger than 9 pounds and 14 ounces. So, like, you were really, like, right there. Yeah, I was right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right under it. Only 1.5% of births in the United States in 2010 were babies that were bigger than 9 pounds, 14 ounces. So that's an interesting fact to see because one in three births where a big baby is suspected are by C-section. One in three births that if wow. your doctor says, oh, I think you have a big baby, you have a one-third of a chance of just having a C-section just because your doctor thinks your baby's big. But yeah. only 1.5% of babies are truly big babies, and even then... 
evidence shows that just simple labor positions and being able to adjust um, and have mom in different positions and different techniques can help get that baby out. And like I said, check our summary notes on this episode to find more information about big babies, what evidence says. And if you do have a big baby, then things you can do to help push your labor along to avoid a cesarean. Thank you so much, Cassandra, for sharing your story with us and spending the time with me and, and for seeking me out and making me feel really good that somebody... Oh, that somebody's, you know, excited for this, as excited as we are. And I know we have lots more listeners out there, too. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, post on social media with the hashtag #WhyWeVBack and tag at the VBAC link or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com, for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.